0: Well, on on the theme of your article, um, we're thinking about the fact that of all the pharmacy practitioners out there, especially inpatient-based clinical pharmacy practitioners, it's only a small percent that are pediatric uh, practitioners and and have the luxury of of focusing only on the pediatric population. Um, On the other hand, many generalists do see pediatric patients. And all of that leads to my next question, which which is, who would you recommend read your article?
1: We we wrote this article hoping that it would have applications for for a huge range, everyone from pediatric special, specialists to that general practitioner, as well as the pharmacists and nutritionists and dietitians that they not exclusively treat pediatric patients but certainly come into contact with and they need to know what they need to take into account when providing care for these patients so i think the biggest takeaway here is we need to look at the child's weight and their age is is their weight appropriate for their age um, a lot of times pedi- practitioners get a little carried away in the you know the typical milligram per kilogram dosing but they don't stop to think about, you know, the dose I just gave this child is actually more than the standard adult dose. Is that appropriate for this situation? <laughs> oh, and obviously, you know, many of the antibiotics we discuss in our article are available more in the inpatient setting because they're IV. But, you know, there's certain applicability to this in the community setting because that's where most antibiotics are given. And, you know, practitioners just need to be aware that this is an issue. And what to specifically to to look for when treating a child?
0: Very good. I totally agree with you. Yeah. The the uh, again, I I wanting to draw a little bit on or 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 maybe contrast with what we know on the adult side that um, there are a number of things we know about at least the potential, if not real, benefit or effects of obesity on uh, drug disposition and antibiotics in particular. And I know that that literature, that body of literature on the adult side is fairly rich uh, with examples and pretty good explanations about what's going on and why. In my impression from reading that literature is that the biggest known effect is related to changes in apparent volume of distribution which would apply especially for lipophilic antibiotics. But we also know that there are potential changes in in uh, clearance, often due to augmented renal clearance, if you will, that, that does uh, pop up in a significant percentage, I think, of adult obese patients. And so again, my question would be, are these changes found in parallel in the pediatric population?
2: That's a great question. Um, Let me first um, address that by first discussing the basic pharmacokinetic or PK principles, and then I'll proceed directly to um, discuss specifically the pediatric population. Now, um, we know that highly um, lipophilic drugs that distribute extensively into adipose tissue should have volume estimation based on total body weight or the total or actual weight of that patient. When volume changes, then your loading dose will also change since loading dose is dependent on volume. While volume establishes loading dose, clearance is needed to estimate the maintenance doses that's required to achieve the pharmacokinetic um, or dynamic exposure for the entire treatment course. And clearance is regulated by our metabolic capacity and profusion of certain organs, primarily the liver and the kidneys. When volume and clearance changes, we observe changes in the drug's half-life, since it's proportional to volume and inversely proportional to clearance for drugs undergoing first-order kinetics. So how does this all fit in then to drug dosing in the pediatric population? So drug dosing in PEDS um, should be individualized to the child based on two important physiologic factors, both age and body size, since they are indicators of growth and development. This means we need to integrate both age and weight into all drug dosing for pediatrics. And, of course, with the perspective, as um, Dr. Natalie just mentioned, put it in perspective of the maximum dose um, for that particular trial. Now, in obese adults, we only focus on one primary factor, which is weight, where the excess body fat affects largely drug distribution for certain drugs based on their chemical properties, as well as drug clearance stemming from the interplay between orange dysfunction and concurrent diseases that may arise from being obese. In obese adults, we observed in general an increased creatinine clearance, which is an indicator for renal drug clearance. However, current methods for estimating creatinine clearance um, do not accurately predict the enhanced renal function observed in obese adults assuming they're healthy obese adults and um, not yet have concurrent diseases. Now, in obese children, we also need to account for the second factor of age. And hence, drug dosing can become quite complex since the physiologic maturation that occurs with age is a dynamic process. This means age-related physiologic maturation can vary dramatically even between different pediatric age groups from infancy to adolescence. And so the most significant changes occurs generally within the first year of life, particularly for factors that affect drug distribution and renal elimination. Some changes continue into childhood between one to 12 years of age. Therefore, prediction using studies in obese adults is Suboptimal during the early stage of life, from birth to 12 years of age. However, in late adolescence, in late childhood and adolescent, when physiologic maturation is near completion, changes in drug volume clearance may parallel those in obese adults. Of note, this may not always hold true since concurrent diseases like diabetes may be present in obese adults and yet not yet manifests itself in obese pediatric patients. Now for hepatic maturation, obesity may alter some metabolic function, including reduced CYP3A4 activity, which is a phase one reaction, yet other phase one reactions are unaffected. And in addition, we observe elevated phase two reactions in obese adults. However, in obese children, hepatic um, metabolic function also varies between pediatric age groups. So again, age must be integrated as a factor and not just weight alone.
0: Okay, so what I'm hearing you say is it's a much more complicated um, (laughs) set of considerations (laughs) in in the growing human.
2: That that
1: is my main message there, yes. I actually have one other thing to add. I think too, there's a big danger in lumping um, adolescents and children together. I know that a lot of specialists will pay attention to this, but to the general practitioner, there's oftentimes not a big difference between say a seven-year-old and a 12-year-old or you know, a 12-year-old and a 16-year-old when actually in reality, their stages of development are very, very different So I know that a lot of the early teens may end up being dosed like children, younger children, and they run the risk of being underdosed in a lot of instances. So especially if you have an obese young teenager, you really have to pay attention and kind of determine where their apparent maturation as well as taking their weight into account.
0: Very good. Well, the theme of your article from a pharmacology standpoint, of course, is antimicrobials. And I'm wondering if either of you can give us a couple examples uh, with commonly used antimicrobials that illustrate the changes uh, you describe in your article and how dosing potentially needs to be uh, altered based on that.
2: We will provide um, beta-lactams an example since they are the most prescribed class of antibiotics in pediatric uh, in the outpatient setting and inpatient setting primarily due to their long history of efficacy and predictable side effects profiles um, as i describe um, this general class please note the contribution of age and weight throughout my um, discussion here now for beta-lactams age, and excess weight may alter the drug volume of distribution into body compartments as well as clearance, overall drug clearance. uh, which is an IV product, was directly studied in five obese children. Note I said five, not 100, not even 10 subjects. Um, the studies show that weight-adjusted volume of clearance did not change based on total body weight, suggesting that dosing by total body weight Um, at least for the loading dose may um, be accurate. Now, when I speak of weight adjusted volume and clearance, this means that both weight and volume are expressed in units per kilogram of body weight. We should only compare parameters when they are expressed in per kilo units. This allows us to compare between different pediatric groups as well as compare between pediatrics and adults. For beta lactams, we may be able to extrapolate older um, children and adolescents using adult data. However, there are even conflicting results within the adult literature in this area. For example, in obese adults, the overall volume by total body weight remains unchanged for some beta lactams. In contrast to critically ill obese adults, we see changes, in in particular, a decrease in the volume by total body weight for meropenem and hipopsilin, tazabactam, but not for septazine and um, sepapine. Yet another study concluded otherwise. So some important lessons for us to learn for beta-lactam are to design studies with really robust methodologies that allows us to compare between studies. This means we need to have consistent definitions of volume and clearance, which should always be weight adjusted using actual or total body weight. In addition, studies should include different pediatric age groups to allow us to learn more of the physiologic maturation that occurs with age. And lastly, in order to determine the precise and magnitude of changes, we need to evaluate the specific drug and cannot always generalize it to the the class itself
0: I see so there are, um, were I believe six different classes of antimicrobials that you addressed in your article with beta-lactams being one of them are there important take-home points for some of the other classes or individual drugs
2: yes we do have some taking points and I'll we'll go through um, Each of the classes here are drugs. Now, for vancomycin, um, my research team have conducted extensive pharmacokinetic research in pediatric for the past seven years. One of these research studies evaluated vancomycin PK specifically in obese children. Based on population PK analysis with Bayesian estimation that we completed, we learned that volume is strongly correlated to total body weight and clearance with allometric weight. Now, let me expand on allometric scaling of weight for clearance because this is a very important concept and fairly new. Um, Allometric scaling takes into account both age and weight, including physiologic maturation that occurs with age and excess body weight in obesity. In fact, allometric scaling has been demonstrated to be superior to using just total body weight alone to estimate drug clearance in pediatrics. Now, this has been evaluated independently in both pediatrics and obese populations. It's a simple equation that uses total body weight with a numeric exponential coefficient of 0.75, and there's more information in our published paper there. We are currently um, preparing a manuscript for a second study of vancomycin in obese children that focuses on optimal dosing. Using the robust method of Monte Carlo simulation with Bayesian estimates, we've determined from, a, that we determined from our first study, we observed that a 20 milligram per kilo loading and a 60 milligram per kilo per day maintenance dose of vancomycin, both using the total body weight provides a good probability of achieving the pharmacodynamic target, with the loading dose supporting target attainment within the first 12 hours of therapy. For aminoglycosides as a class, uh, we know that aminoglycosides are highly hydrophilic drugs that distribute mainly into extracellular fluid rather than fat tissue. In obese children, I Aminoglycoside mean, volume adjusted to total body weight is reduced, and half-life remains unchanged. As such, dosing by total body weight may result in unnecessarily high concentrations. However, using lean body mass or ideal body weight may not achieve the high initial peak concentrations to maximize the bacteriocidal effect. As such, two pediatric studies support the use of adjusted body weight for immunoglycoside dosing and to determine clearance or the maintenance dose. Now, an important consideration I would like for practitioners to reflect on, especially for drugs like immunoglycoside where toxicity is a concern, is integrating a maximum dose within the dosing guideline. In one study, um, despite a reduced milligram per kilo dosing based on total body weight, obese children still have significantly increased peak concentration. So having a maximum within a dosing guideline may be prudent for obese patients, I think both in kids and adults. For the other antibiotics that we addressed in the article, including dactomycin, linazin, boriconosol, we don't have any published studies in obese children at all. Um, However, I will briefly highlight my take home messages for each antibiotic, but please be mindful that extrapolating data um, from adults may not be appropriate for obese children, especially those less than 12 years of age. Now, for zaptomycin, the manufacturer recommends using um, total body weight, in all patients with normal renal function, uh, and I mean all adult patients with normal renal function, including those morbidly obese adults. However, when calculating renal function to determine um, through the kopp and equation, ideal body weight should not be used since total body weight, I, I, I meant ideal body weight should be used um, since total body weight will over, generally overestimate it. For the we know that more frequent dosing is necessary for non-obese children younger than 12 years of age. So we are talking about eight hours versus 12 hours dosing due to their increased clearance. Fixed dosing is recommended for obese adults up to 150 milligrams. However, fixed dosing is suboptimal in children because it's neither based on age nor weight. And the same holds true for boriconazole Um, Fixed dosing should not be used in obese children um, since it actually has been demonstrated to result in significant variability in drug exposure in in normal, even in normal weight children. In addition, for boriconosol, it may be prudent to optimize therapeutic response um, while maximizing potential toxicity by using adjusted or ideal body weight rather than total body weight. Um, And there, too, I might add, um, perhaps adding on pharmacogenetic testing um, may be prudent to detect age-related alterations, particularly for the CYP2C19 function. Um, So, just to reiterate again, for these antimicrobial agents, um, I would like To see further studies, um, particularly in obese children, since current studies are limited only to adults, obese adults, and hence do not account for the age-related physiologic changes.
0: Thank you. I I have one final question for you, and that has to do with um, actually who's responsible for both elucidating and providing the data that informs this whole issue about how do we, you know, what are the pharmacokinetic changes and how do we thus uh, adapt our dosing for our obese pediatric patients? And do you think the, the burden of that falls to preclinical developers, that is researchers and whatnot, uh, often in the pharmaceutical industry, does it fall to clinical users as we've seen historically and you know as well as i do that very very often at least historically we have learned by trial and error after a drug has been introduced in the market how to use it in kids and how much to give because nobody ever studied it during development and the last possibility and maybe it's all three or two of the three is does the onus lie with regulatory bodies such as the FDA?
2: Okay, what a great question. Now, given the dearth of PK studies in pediatric and even more so in the pediatric obese population, we believe the integrated and collaborative efforts of these individuals that you just mentioned involved in drug development, and drug use processes are pivotal to improve drug dosing in obese pediatrics. We believe this will foster a more comprehensive approach, allowing stakeholders to voice their perspective, as well as expedite the process itself. We need information now. Um, So, specifically for drug developers or industry, Um, The first step is really to capitalize on the Section 505A of the Modernization Act, which incentivizes a manufacturer to a six-month period of pediatric exclusivity for new drugs. This will at least allow us to understand how age affects the drug um, in, in early use of the process. And then we can incorporate this information later on Um, using weight for drug dosing in obese kids. Of course, this is not possible for all drugs because of the cost implications, but for antimicrobial agents, it would make sense from the drug utilization standpoint, as well as the PK perspective, since the disease process for infections can be assumed similar between adults and kids. Furthermore, New, the new antimicrobial agents that I see coming on the market address multidrug resistance, which is, a, is an issue in pediatrics too, not just adults. An example of this would be ceftaroline, which was first approved in, I believe, in uh, 2010, and certainly applicable to patients with cystic fibrosis. It's only until this year, seven years after initial drug approval through an independent funded study um, that we have some PK data in children with cystic fibrosis. My research team has submitted this work for publication, and it's currently under review, so at least we have some information in that now. Now, second, for drugs that are already marketed, we need industry funding to support studies with pediatric pharmacokinetic modelers. Pediatrics is a very unique population, and modeling in this patient is different from adults. Generally, we are faced with sparse sampling and must conduct population-based modeling, which is distinct from non-governmental analysis using intensive data. Lastly, for industry, um, we believe industry should, in collaboration with academic centers, um, explore and invest in physiologically based PK modeling since it can allow us to comp- incorporate changes in body composition as well as drug characteristics and perhaps reliably predict systemic drug exposure in obese patients, including pediatrics. If we develop this well, we can implement predictions even during the preclinical development. So that it's basically our thoughts for um, preclinical developers. Now, for clinical users, um, practitioners, i.e., the key thing there is really increasing the awareness, awareness of the need and the general knowledge of PK alterations stemming from physical, physiologic changes that occur with age is the foremost important to optimize drug use in obese children. Second, pediatric commissions should be encouraged to, to, to participate in post marketing research, as this can be a cost effective means to produce generalizable data that integrate perhaps even comorbid conditions like hypertension and diabetes, which may decrease renal clearance. Furthermore, there are pediatric considerations that only pediatric commissions know to improve the feasibility and hence the success. Of a study. So, being involved with really trying to help general, um, obtain generalizable data is very important. Lastly, for our pharmacists, um, increasing our awareness and knowledge of population PK, Monte Carlo simulation, Bayesian estimation, and now allometric scaling is important to, to allow us to better interpret, predict, and explain dosing to other healthcare professionals as well as patients. Um, in this case, the parent of patients, um, especially with the limited data that we currently have. Notably, with um, the FDA, the FDA now now allows for and even encourages the use of allometric scaling for the prediction of clearance and dosing in children, including premature infants. In fact, I'm currently collaborating on a study of ampicillin in neonates with Duke University as part of the Pediatric Trials Network, and we incorporated allometric scaling um, for of a weight in the clearance up front. Lastly, from the regulatory standpoint, i.e., FDA, it's imperative that the FDA provides guidance and standards. What incentives is necessary for conducting studies in obese? children these standards should address both age and weight when comparing differences in volume clearance and dose weight adjusted units that is they all should be in per kilo should always be used and should be stratified by age to account for physiologic maturation this allows us to compare obese children to non-obese children as well as even adults Lastly, the use of the word um, standard, particularly for dose that is weight adjusted, um, there should be a standard and that should be encouraged to allow us to use the same weight scale. What I mean is, for example, vancomycin, 60 milligrams per kilo per day by weight is different from 1,500 to 2,000 milligrams per meter squared by BSA. These doses are not on the same scale, so different scales makes it more challenging for clinicians to interpret the data. An exception to this rule is for highly toxic medications like chemotherapeutic agents in which um, dosing by BSA may be most optimal.
0: Well, let me thank you for that perspective and advice. Um, I've exhausted my list of potential questions that I wanted to ask. Let me, before we end, ask if there are any other points we didn't get to that you, either of you may want to
1: add. Well, um, John, I, I think basically in writing this, we just wanted to offer clinicians a perspective and to give them, you know, points to consider when dosing children in both the inpatient and the community setting. And as Jennifer discussed, probably the two key aspects to consider are both the patient's weight and their age and where they fall in their development, i.e. age and where they fall in their overall weight. Uh, Jennifer, did you have anything else to add?
2: Yeah. And to add to that, um, I think being involved, um, particularly in research post-marketing as pharmacists, is going to be very important in understanding what the modeling side and the feasibility and how we can optimize what we know in pediatrics and make that more generalizable um, knowledge is very critical. Um, Dr. Natalie and I hope the audience have become more aware Um, of the issue of obesity in pediatrics and how we can contribute to optimal drug use in this population. So thank you for inviting us. Yeah, thank you very much.
0: Well, thank you both. I want to uh, express our appreciation for you taking the time today. This has been a very interesting and illuminating discussion. Thank you.
1: Thank you for listening to another ACCP podcast episode. Our theme music is called Rocket Power and is licensed by Creative Commons. Please take a moment to recommend this podcast and subscribe via iTunes so that you'll get notified of when our next episode will be released.